Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And it is not just Victory Monday in New England. It's Victory Week. And I think the team deserves to celebrate this week. Coming off the 29 to nothing shutout of the Detroit Lions. I don't care if Jared Goff is a puddle of goo. I don't care if the Lions defense stinks. You shut somebody out like that, dominate somebody like that, especially with your third string quarterback. You deserve a few days to celebrate and feel good. That was a feel good game and the Patriots should feel good about themselves. Yeah, I think so. I mean, this team looked really good on Sunday. They they were efficient on offense. The one turnover wasn't the quarterback's fault. And and then on defense, you looked great. You shut down what was the number one scoring offense in football, and you held them to zero points. You completely shut them out, put a goose egg on the board. Uh, this week is a feel-good week after that game. And I enjoyed the uh, the post-game gathering that the Patriots put on Patriots.com, Check and Zappy and all that. And I particularly enjoyed, he really emphasized number one offense, 35 <laughs> points a game, which yep. we all know was statistically true. I don't think going into the game, Bill Belichick respected that offense to that level. Like, I don't think he was yeah. looking at Peyton Manning or the greatest show on turf. But when he said, you know, number one offense and somebody yells, not no more, <laughs> made me <laughs> laugh out loud in the locker room. Um, obviously, the topic of the week is the quarterback. I want to push that to the side just for a little bit. And this was supposed to be the start of the and we're going to kind of bridge the world here of review the game and sort of look at some bigger picture items here and I do want to know like was this the start of that stretch that some people were predicting this soft stretch of the schedule six games very similar to last season and and the slow start and then who knows what you'll be come December or was this a one-off where you proved one simple thing you're not as bad as some of the bad teams in the National Football League yeah, I definitely think it's the latter. Like, I definitely think you've proved you're not amongst the muck. Um, and you want to hope that it's the start of something that you can build off of. I I, I just get nervous that it's going to be like last year where you're going to go on a four or five game run. The hype's going to go up and then against good teams, you're going to struggle, uh, especially in the second half of the season. And you're just going to kind of fall off. And so that I, I that lingers in the back of my mind. And you hope that that's not the case. But Good job. You took care of the Lions. Now you have to make sure you take care of the Cleveland Browns, who are going to be, I guarantee you, going to be more difficult to take care of this year uh, than they were last year. Yeah, and I think it is important, like incremental steps. I, I always try to put things in relation to expectations or sort of relative to your lot in life. And, you know, I always use comparisons like if a, if one of your kids that always gets straight A's gets a B, you say, whoa, 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 what happened this week? Yep. If one of your kids that always gets C's gets a B, you're excited. Like, so like it's relative to your expectations, your past performance, where you hope to be. And the question I guess I would ask, if I wanted to be optimistic, why am I to believe that this won't simply be they're better than crappy teams? Maybe they go on a little run here and win. Let's just say four out of the next, you know, five or something to get themselves back into the conversation 
But why am I to believe it's not going to end the way it ended last year? As you said, because you got the Bills twice late in the year. You got the Bengals. Why am I to believe you're not going to fail to measure up? Yeah, and that's that's hard, right? Like you're grappling. I'm grappling with that. You're grappling with that. I think a lot of fans are. Um, I don't know that this team has showed that they're going to be able to compete with the Buffalo Bills, uh, who have been in an absolute machine. That team that you beat in the, the Steelers, well, they absolutely pummeled them like 38 to three straight up body bagged them. And, and so this is, that's a, that's a team that you have to face now twice in the second half. You're going to have to face the Bengals who are getting better as the season goes on. You're going to have to face the Vikings who right now are four and one. And as long as it's not a primetime game, Kirk cousins looks really good. And so it's like, it's hard to expect that this team, even if they do go on a run here in the middle, will be able to maintain that in the second half. Okay, so I'm going to throw out, um, as we get into the second segment, I want to talk about some some younger players that maybe could be the answer to that question, how their evolution, their growth could affect your late season potential. But I want to start with veteran players. And I think the most obvious guy to start with is the guy whose season coincided with his team's season a year ago. His name's Matthew Judon. And he fell apart, faded down the stretch, whatever you want to call it. They fell apart, faded down the stretch, couldn't make the Bills punt to the point where I think in one of those Bills games, he was like on the sideline, like a beaten man while the Bills were still moving the ball. So he's off to a great start. I thought he, you could argue he was the MVP of the win over Detroit. He was shot out of a cannon. Now, some of it again was Detroit being dumbasses and saying, TJ Hawkinson, just pass, just block that guy who right now, for the here and now, Matt Judon's one of the best pass rushers in football, one of the more dominant Absolutely. defensive forces. So he's got a sack in each of the first five games, Patriots record. He's got six sacks in five games, tied for the NFL lead. Strip sack leads to a touchdown, was the play of the game. It's awesome. And I actually think he's playing at a significantly higher level this year than last year because I don't know about you, I felt last year a lot of Judon was, yeah, he'd get his sack that week. Yep. But there weren't a lot of other pressures, QB hits. Correct. I, this year, the, the first half in the Ravens game, he chased Lamar all over that field. And he was a key part of that game plan. This game, I think he broke Jared Goff. I think Jared Goff's a puddle of goo, and, and Judon pressured him enough early, but pressures and hits. So, Matthew Judon, great start. We've seen this before. Can Matthew Judon, who's talked about it, targeted sort of a consistent year finishing strong if he just plays the way he is playing last year this year early consistently is that a way for the Patriots to be a much better team come December yeah I think that's a start right I, I mean last year you saw he got COVID and then immediately fell off and you can attribute it to COVID fog you can attribute it to conditioning you can attribute it to a lot of things but I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that like last year he got his sack and that was in the box score but this year He's making his presence felt throughout the game. It's not just a box score thing anymore. It's like he is that the cornerstone of that defense. I think partially it's helping that there's a little bit of a pass rush on the other side, right? I think Dietrich Wise has been great to start the season, mm -hmm. uh, especially in those first few games. He was having a major impact, and I think that's allowing for Judon to make even more of an impact because it's like, ah, we can't just only worry about pass rush from this one side. Like they're going to be able to pass rush from both sides and we have to take that into account. So I think a, that's going to help him a lot uh, as the season goes on. He's probably going to face a few less double teams than he normally would, um, which is a positive. 
But ultimately, it's going to come down to his conditioning. Is he ready to make the run for the second half? I believe that he is. I think this guy is awesome. I love Matt Judon. I said before the season, this is the guy you kind of want to rally around. This is the guy you want as that leader in the clubhouse. You know, you look back at the old days, your Ty Laws, your Willie McGinnis, guys like that who commanded the locker room. Matt Judon needs to be that guy and can be that guy because not only is he an amazing player, but he's also uh, like an outspoken, well-spoken member of the team. So two things there. First of all, I think he's even more important than some of those guys because I don't think he has as much around him. He has to be definitely one of those tent pole guys. And I agree with you. I think he continues to, you know, he always talks to the media. Not that that's the be all end all, but like I think he is a leader, a spokesman, an energy guy, a little bit of a face of the team, a swag. Yeah. And I still think his celebration is underappreciated. I really enjoy his sack celebration. So I don't necessarily white. know what it is. I know it's like a wipe, but like, is he just like wiping his face? Like, is I, he supposed to be like a, like a wolf that just tasted blood and he's wiping it off kind of thing? I don't know that he's ever been. He, I'm sure he's been asked. My interpretation has always been that like, he's wiping his mouth after eating, after feeding, after like he did his job, he feasted on a quarterback and I'm wiping my mouth. Cause um, it's really odd. You bring this up. I thought about it when I saw him do it this weekend. And the first thing I thought was, wow, it looks like he's wiping away a bunch of boogers. Like that well, was the first thought I had. I mean, that's a little gross. And I, I, I don't think it's that. I think it's more no, blood it's or food or, or feasting or something. Yeah. Um, of that nature. So yes, I like that. I also have a quick little side story. Ooh, um, okay. And uh, as Homer Simpson, nugget? Was, you know, I like stories, not really a nugget, just a side story. Um, I had a friend at the game this weekend and the friend watched Matthew Judon doing, throwing the ball around pregame. And you know how he does sometimes the crowd, various people, whatever. Uh, he apparently overthrew somebody and some random dude grabbed the ball and then ran into a porta potty <laughs> And Matthew Judon ran to the porta potty and was slamming on the door, going, Give it back, come out, smashing on the porta potty. So, uh, one of the more ran, and I actually have a photo of Matthew Judon. Um, maybe I can hold it up for the camera to see, uh, standing at the porta potty. That's uh, unbelievable. Trying to get his football back that somebody uh, ran off with. So, uh, nope, that's not it. Um, Careful what you show us, Andy. Here it is. So, I have a photo. Right here of Matthew Judon, and I think you can standing see that. at the porta potty, at the porta potty, waiting for the guy who stole the football to come back out of the porta potty. And I actually don't know how the story ended, but uh, it just made me laugh because I like Matthew Judon. He was the uh, media uh, good guy of the year last year in his first first year here, and yep. and he had that one incident. Remember with the reporter in in Baltimore that I had questions about what kind of guy he was. I don't have questions anymore. He seems like a really yeah. good dude. Um, so I think Matthew, Matthew Judon is 100% key. I'm going to go to the other side of the ball. I think something that's different this year in terms of the evolution of a returning veteran, uh, um, a really accountable player, I think Jacoby Myers is taking some steps forward. And it's funny. I've been in this, this feud with Christian Fourier about Jacoby Myers. I love Jacoby Myers from day one. Literally day one in August of his rookie season, I said, that guy's going to have a better NFL career than your first-round pick, Nikhil Harry. That guy is better. And he's proven that. He's taken advantage of every opportunity. But I also thought he had a ceiling. I thought he was like soup. You know, soup can only be so good. It can't really be your meal. You need to add other things to it, that kind of thing. This week, he returns from missing two weeks. He returns to a quarterback who he's never lined up with. (laughs) He catches seven of eight balls for 111 yards, averages 15 yards a carry, not his usual like 
10, I mean, a catch, no. not 10 yards a catch, has a 24-yard touchdown. And we know for him, getting into the end zone hasn't come easily necessary Correct. in his career. Um, and the thing that actually, more than the stats, I don't know if you noticed this. I believe it was his first catch of the game. It was an out on the right side. He caught it, and a guy dove at his ankles to try to tackle him. And I think normally the guy tackles him. The guy missed the tackle. Jacoby turned upfield, and as he did, he looked back and shook his head at the, the would-be tackler. <laughs> I think he's starting to feel himself a little bit as a, not just a, oh, I get open and catch the football, and I'll I'll just do my job, and I won't make plays, but, you know, you'll kind of like. He's starting to become a wide receiver. Yeah. He's and, not just oh, another player. Which is great for the offense, because really I do good. think they still need a guy. Yeah, or, or maybe not one. Maybe they'll never have one, but a couple that they can like spin the dial and like feel really good that that guy's going to show up. And oh, by the way, he's going to make himself some money as he heads into yep. free agency as a playmaker. But do, do you see any uh, more ceiling or upside to Jacoby Myers than maybe we've seen in the past? Yeah, I think there's still a lot more room to grow. I mean, not, I mean, you may not remember this, but not last year, the year before. Uh, at the end of this Cam Newton season, I actually wrote a piece for WEI.com that argued that Jacoby Myers was the 25th best receiver in football because that's what he was according to PFF. And so I used a lot of the underlying numbers that they had to kind of try and explain exactly what Jacoby Myers brings to the NFL. And and that might have been a little hyperbolous at the time. And last year, I didn't I, I didn't really believe myself anymore. But this year, I'm starting to believe that like he has the ceiling to get there, right? Like he's showing you that it's like, I can be more than just a guy who catches the ball and falls down. I can add a little yak to my game. I can I can get more added to my game. Belichick raved this week about Stevenson and how he has worked so hard at things he wasn't good at last year. Yep. And I think you're also seeing that with Jacoby Myers, right? He's he's clearly worked at things that he wasn't necessarily good at uh, in his earlier years in his career, and he, you're now starting to see some of the fruits of that labor. Okay, so you just mentioned him. I, I agree with you. I think Myers is is evolving, and we'll see where it can go. You just mentioned another guy I wanted to talk about, Ramondre Stevenson, who have to now. looks like he's going to get his opportunity. Damian Harris goes in down with the hamstring. You only have two backs, so he's got to be the guy to run the ball. You want to run the ball. He runs the ball incredibly well. He's so uh, good. 25 carries, a buck 60 on the ground, catches a couple balls. We've talked about in the past how he's evolved as a pass catcher and a third down option, and... You know, I've added a comparison to my Le'Veon Bell because I still think Le'Veon Bell's there. Also, this year, I'm adding a little uh, poor man Saquon Barkley to his look because oh, I think geez. I think the build is similar. I think there is some footwork, jump cuts that are similar and the ability to make some plays. I said poor yep. man's, by the way. I, I, I mean, we'll see where I goes. mean, let's be fair. Uh, my comp to him when he got drafted, when you and I were back when this was still the off day podcast, you and I broke down his running back class. I outright compared the guy to Aaron Jones. So like I too, and that's probably a good one. This guy. Yeah, that's probably a good one too. Yeah. But you're going to have to ride him. The one concern I have is sure. that's a, that's a step up. You know, it's one thing to know your every other series. You can tap out when you, you get a little tired and Damian Harris can come in because Damian Harris is good. Yep. Stevenson is better, but Damian Harris is. is good. But there's a difference between being a two-headed monster and now I'm going to need to lean on you for, I think the reports are now the hamstring could cost Damian Harris a couple weeks, but he's coming off a 25 carry game. So if you go to another, let's say 25 touch game, you know, 20 carries, couple catches, whatever it may be, um, 
how does his body react to that? How does he feel uh, with that? And I, now I will say the offensive line is also playing very well. And yep. the more he gets the help from those big guys up front and Trent Brown being engaged. And from my perspective, hopefully Marcus Cannon at some point taking over the right tackle spot. Cause please if, God, if, if you're going to pick one weakness on the offensive line, it's Isaiah Wynn and the penalties and the sacks and mm-hmm. the things that he's done negative. But Ramondre Stevenson, I looked it up today, is 18th in the NFL in yards from scrimmage. Now, obviously, that took a big bump this week with 160 yards rushing. I think he can be more than that. I do think he can be a – I don't know. You're not going to get 160 yards rushing every week because if so, then he'd be like – It's unrealistic. Yeah. But I don't think it's unrealistic for him to to just be up near 100 yards and then – 100 scrimmage yards. If he's getting 65 to 70 rush yards and that 30-ish receiving yards on checkdowns, like that's what you want. That's what you would hope to expect from him if he's playing on all three downs. And I think he's capable of it. I think he's showing you that he's capable of it. This guy is unbelievably talented. He works his ass off. Belichick glows about this guy. And if Belichick is glowing about a player currently on his team, you know how good that guy is. And I, what actually stood out to me, and I think this may have been with you guys on the Greg Hill show, when he brought up uh, Ramondre Stevenson's mistakes, when he what? said that pass protection against the Dolphins and the yep. fumble. That was off my question that I asked him. I don't believe he does that unless he is 100% sure that he's talking about a guy that is that is well beyond that. Like, that's yep. such a thing in the past. You know the idea, like, we're going to laugh at this someday. They've reached the point where they can laugh at those mistakes because Stevenson has advanced so far in mm-hmm. basically what thirteen months, so you know a little over a calendar games, year. Belichick said he's like he's like this guy has grown so much in twenty games, and he is just he is growing at such a rapid rate that as Patriots fans, you haven't had a running back quite like this in a very very long time. Now, I'm gonna say what since Corey Dillon. I think he's a better pass catcher than Dylan. So I'm going to say sure. you haven't had maybe, maybe Curtis Martin. Curtis Martin. Yeah. I think that might be how far back you go. Cause I do think wow. his pass catching ability. Now you, you're going to need that because you don't yeah. really have a third down back. You don't really have a backup running back right now. Uh, nope. I have no desire to see um, Pierre strong or I mean, nope. Kevin Harris. There, there's just, you're kind of flying. You may actually have to add a veteran running back. That wouldn't stun me if they brought somebody in right now, because I don't know how you can feel overly confident about those two rookies. And uh, I mean, Ty Montgomery, I didn't even look. When's he eligible to come off of uh, IR? That, like, I don't think, I think until week six, I believe. I think you're, you're so and I don't week, know his health status, obviously, right now. Um, I think you're really thin at the, at the running back position. As excited as I am, and I'm also intrigued to see when Harris comes back, um, how do you handle it? Like, is is Ramondre now the number one back, the starter? Well, I think the next Harris- four games or the next few games without Harris will de- help determine that, right? Like, I think yes. that's going to be a major influence on it is how how well does Stevenson take on that load? And Belichick said, literally quoted as saying, we have as much confidence in him as you can possibly have in a player, right. which is and- very high praise and exactly what you want to hear, but it's just a matter of actually seeing it and even though you were super high on him, I have also been super high on him. It's a matter of actually doing it at this point. And staying healthy is yes. part of it. Is well, yeah, exactly. That's a at huge the running part back position. You're going to take a pounding. Um, I was watching Josh Jacobs with, for the Raiders on Monday He's night. He's been awesome. He's been awesome. But like 
you can actually see the years of his career coming off his body as he takes well, he, hits or so chooses to hit people. So that's the thing Stevenson has in his favor, though, right? Is Josh Jacobs has had 250 carries four straight right. seasons. Like this guy is constantly getting a ton of carries. Stevenson doesn't have that much tread on like that much use on his tires, right? Like he is he's still relatively fresh in terms of that. And I think part of that is the way they've managed it. They want it to yes. be that way. Bingo. I think they've always wanted a two-back because I think they look at these teams like the Giants or the Panthers and like their star goes down and all of a sudden you're scrambling and you don't know how mm -hmm. to. And I would also say he Stevenson makes people miss a lot. Josh Jacobs loves contact. He likes to run people over, but I'm sorry, that, that takes a toll on your body too. Those are hits that you don't really want to be taking for the longevity of your career. Yeah, and the, uh, the underlying numbers would suggest, I mean – Ramondre Stevenson since last year has been in the top seven or top five of forced missed tackles uh, per carry, like across the league. Like this guy is an elite, mm -hmm. elite tackle breaker and tackle avoider in a lot of situations. Like you saw it happen multiple times where he's, he's so patient with the ball. He can take that stutter step and juke left, juke right, and kind of avoid some of those would-be tacklers to avoid some of those bigger contact. I'm going to tell you how big this win over the Lions was. That just led to the most positive segment in the history of the Six Rings podcast. And yep. Fitzy wasn't even here to take part in it, Mr. Fanboy from Foxborough himself. Turn that it up. was positivity built on a beatdown shutout win over a bad Lions team that actually broke Dan Campbell, and he may end his coaching career. He may be he crying. He was a puddle of goo at the postgame podium, but we are not a puddle of goo. We're moving forward with the Six Rings and Football Things podcast. Please download the Odyssey app. It's the easiest way to listen to our podcast, but you can obviously subscribe at any of your other podcast outlets. And if you want to interact with Shime and his newfound positivity, because just wait, next segment, it may take a turn for the worse. You can hit us up on Twitter at Six Rings Pod. That's the number. Or email us at Six, uh, uh, six Rings Pod at gmail.com.